Warning, content not suitable for children. Listener discretion advised, yo. Screaming Chewy Show, your source of entertainment and overall fuckery. And the show starts now. This episode is brought to you by Dubby Energy. Tired? Hmm? Craving an energy drink, but you don't want to feel shitty and jittery afterwards? Well, try Dubby. Dubby Energy has this Nero Factor. It's a patented all-natural coffee cherry extract to help fuel you. Yeah, this ingredient is what gives Dubby its laser-focused and fast reflex effects, making it perfect for gamers. So, whether it's just had a long night, you know, just need some energy to go to work, Maybe a pre-workout or you want to get some gaming done. Dubby is for you. I highly recommend this. And they got some amazing flavors as well. Uh, very creative too, such as Dragonade, right? Dragonberry and Lemonade. Um, Galaxy Grenade. Beach and Peach. Yes, delicious. It's basically Kool-Aid that gets you pumped. So what the hell are you waiting for? Check them out at Dubby.gg. That's D-U-B-B-Y dot G-G. Yeah, and guess what? And for 10% off, at checkout, enter this coupon code, right? I got you. It's Screaming Chewy SH, all right? All together, caps. Screaming Chewy SH. And yeah, you got 10% off. Dobby, check them out. Hey everyone, welcome back to another exciting episode of Screaming Chewy Show. And I'd like to welcome special guest, icon, legend, Tommy Chong. What's happening, Tommy? Thank you. Thank you. Big fan, big fan, man. And uh, I'm glad, you know, I appreciate you coming on. Yeah, well, I thank you for that abbreviated uh, introduction. And uh, let's get it on. So, Tommy, um... Man, it's crazy, man. Like, even though, you know, I grew up watching you and my dad grew up watching you as well. <laughs> this yeah. is great, man. Yeah. Cheech and Chong have brought more families together than I think uh, Santa Claus almost. You know? Yeah. <laughs> For real. For real. Facts. Yeah. We, we really have. I went to a, a Diana Ross uh, concert just last week. And uh, in in San Bernardino, no, in um, Monterey, uh, not Monterey, um, Ventura, you know, out that way, and uh, Santa Barbara, and uh, <clears throat> I was uh, <laughs> I was immersed with my fans because Diana Ross fans, she 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 discovered me. When I was with uh, Bobby Taylor in 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 a bar that I owned, uh, family-owned bar in Vancouver, Canada, uh, Diana Ross and the Supremes were working in uh, in Vancouver at the time. You know, uh, just working at the the local uh, hot club, 
And she came down to the After Hours Club, saw us, heard us, loved us, phoned Barry Gordy, had him fly to uh, Vancouver to hear the group personally. Wow. And uh, and then they signed us and basically forgot about us. Oh. <laughs> so, so, so we made our way to uh, Detroit and uh, recorded a hit record. And uh, yeah, I was, I was with Motown for about a year, I guess. You know, and then I uh, see Motown, most uh, recording uh, uh, companies at the time, they just wanted the, the lead singer, you know. And, and if they could, uh, get, you know, get rid of the rest of the people, they did. And, and that's what happened to the Vancouver's. You know, Bobby Taylor was the, was the, the talent, you know. And, uh, and so uh, we started, the band started, we started uh, backing up different, you know, Barry Gordy's uh, singers. And then, I, then it got to the point where I said, no, I, you know, I, I told, in fact, I told Barry, I want to become a Barry Gordy. I don't want to work for one. <clears throat> Way to go. Yeah, and then, and then it worked out. And then years later, when uh, Cheech and I were on the charts, you know, and, and, and Barry and uh, Stevie Wonder became a big Cheech and Chong fan. And and so Barry and Stevie came to see us one time at the uh, at the uh, comedy store. And uh, it was a nice, nice reunion. Barry, you know, Barry takes credit, as he should, you know, for, for the success of Cheech and Chong. And that was a nice, that was a nice uh, reunion. And then when I went and saw Diana Ross, I didn't go backstage. It was too crazy, but I couldn't relax in the audience. Really? Yeah. I've never in my life, I've never been in an audience. <laughs> I've, always, I've always been a performer and it's scary. <laughs> 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 out there there's so many people and they're all huge and and uh, and they're sweet and everything else but there's so many of them they're packed all seats side by side you know oh my god I, I got so claustrophobic i had to go down to the to the snack you know the snack area it was in santa barbara the outdoor concert and, uh, and so i started I, and i enjoyed the concert from backstage you know, I've done it all my all, all my professional career. It's always been backstage, and and I've seen the best and heard the best. Now, small jazz clubs or comedy clubs, you know, no problem. But it's big concert uh, venues that it gets scary. There's so many people. <laughs> Anything happens, it's like ooh, you're part of the herd. You know. <laughs> I feel you on that. Uh, I want. Like in 2008, I went to go see Metallica, and it was oh, yeah. a huge ca a crowd. They they broke a record here for the Pima County Fairgrounds. It was like over yeah. 2,000 people, yeah. and I was in the crowd, and I was high as fuck. Yeah, I started getting like anxiety. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it was too much, <laughs> but it was yeah. fun. Where where am I? What's all these people? What's going on? Yeah, yeah especially when you when you get high and it comes in waves, you know. Yep, yep. It hits you all intense. You're like, oh, shit. This is real life. Yeah, I tell people all the time, you know, well, you know, especially the ones that, you know, never tried pot, you know, don't know anything about it. And they say, what is it? You know, what should I do? You know, be scared of it. I said, no, no, I just, pot just 
relaxes the mind. But the trouble is, sometimes you need that mind to be focused on certain things. Yes. <laughs> and, and it becomes relaxed, not at the right time. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. You know, you know how there's some people that, you know, I've known a lot of people that could smoke at work or, you know, yeah. but I can't like, I t- I'm like, I'm like, I feel dumb when I'm high. Like, I feel like I'm going to fuck shit up because <laughs> I'm too relaxed, you know? <laughs> well, that's it. That, that's it. I mean, you know, I can see. Well, the great, the, the great thing about marijuana, uh, you know, it really is a gift from God in, in a sense that, that it's, it's a cure-all uh, plant, you know. I mean, it, it's a medicine. It's a aphrodisiac. It's, a, it's everything. It just makes everything right. Even, I was telling people too, even it in, it enhances whatever, like, like there's a biblical phrase about if you keep your mind on God, he will, God will perfect that which concerns you. Now that is a very interesting statement because what it does, it, it frees the concept of evil. You see, the concept, we, we have a concept of good and evil. And, and for the most part, it's we should always try to be good because evil, you know, it's, um, it's wrong. You know, it's evil. But the problem is we're here on this physical plane to experience everything. And you can't experience good unless you have bad. You can't experience up unless you have down. There always has to be an opposite in order to de- to define the one uh, or, in, in most cases, the two sides to everything. Like one time Trump said, there are nice people on both sides, you know, and he was right. Mm-hmm. Now, the problem is he's not one of the nice people. <laughs> right? For real. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, there is nice people, but you're not one of them, dude. <laughs> yep. So, so what 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 pot opened, opened my eyes to the point where uh, when I, when I'd say it enhances that which concerns you, you know, which is a biblical phrase. In other words, if you're a bank robber and you smoke a joint before you go rob the bank, chances are you'll do a good job. <laughs> <laughs> now, you might get sidetracked. You might end up trying to get the uh, the, the food thing to, to work, you know, when you should be running from the cops. But, <laughs> but still, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. When, you, nice. when you have a relaxed mind, that's why artists and musicians and writers and poets and and uh, just just people that love life you know they they indulge in the, in in the, in the the weed and uh, for that for that effect you know mm-hmm. and and like they used to say and and it's so true in a lot of ways how pot 
was a gateway drug. And, and you know, a lot of, you know, the pot advocates, you know, they poo-poo that. But it's so true because mm-hmm. the real junkies, and by the way, it works both ways. I've seen in Vancouver, you know, Vancouver is like the junkie capital of the world. Oh, damn. Yeah. They're, they're the junkies. If they don't get their daily shot, they will be like uh, roaches, you know, that come out of the, <laughs> out of the, <laughs> the alleys and, and just sit in the streets, you know, because they're sick. They're waiting for their, their fix. And, and and that's what they did in Vancouver when they wanted to rise raise the price of uh, heroin from it used to be five bucks a pop, and then back in the sixties it got raised to sixty uh, twenty dollars a pot. Damn, huge You know, and it's probably probably now it's probably more. I don't know. I've never been a junkie, or <laughs> you know, just that that being in Vancouver, you're around junkies all the time. You know. Mm your next door neighbor, the, the guy you play music with, uh, the cop, everybody, you know, there's, Crazy. there's a, there's a lot, of, lot of users there. But the whole point of, of, of the, the pot as a gateway drug, because, you know, the pot is compared to heroin it is nothing, you know, it's, it's just like a little, you know, like clearing your throat before you really, uh, you know, you get down dirty, mm-hmm. and and that, and that. But I've also seen the uh, the junkie Johnson for his 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 fix smoke pot like crazy, puff it, puff it, puff it. You know, just to just to get that edge, that that the fear. The fear of not having, uh, you know, your fix, mm, because yeah. that's what that's what your body uh, does to you. You know, the body likes that 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 numbness. You know, and so what you're really feeling is the nerve endings are coming alive, and now the nerve endings are, are screaming. Like, uh, where's that? Where's that substance that you gave me that that made me feel so good? Come on, I need more. I need more. I need more. <laughs> and, and that in that in that way, pot was a gateway drug. But I used to tell you know the the people that were anti-pot. I used to say that gate works both ways. I've seen it not too often, but I've seen cases where junkies quit doing junk and they use pot instead, you know. Oh. Yeah, I got, I, I quit smoking with, with pot. That's what, that's, I used to be a tobacco addict and uh, then I got hooked up with the bodybuilders and, and you know, the bouncers at the door at the, at the clubs I played at. And they convinced me, you know, to start working out and quit smoking. But the only way I could quit smoking was I used pot. Every time I felt like a cigarette, I lay like in a joint. But I, just by nature, I just a couple of joint, couple of hits, boom, and I put it out or pass it or give it away. And uh, and by doing that, I quit. I quit smoking cigarettes. And I had a, you know, I had a sneaky habit. You know those sneaky habits where you. 
wake up in the middle of the night and you start looking for ashtrays, you know, for yeah. a, a long butt, you know? Mm-hmm. But don't do that with pot. But anyway, that's that's my uh, what's been on my mind. You know, what do you think about, you know, pot and cannabis nowadays, how it's getting so strong with the wax and, like, all this stuff? Like, I mean... Pretty sure it's different from back in the day. I'm pretty sure there's some really good weed back then, but now with all this wax and concentrate, the same. No, 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 there's no difference. The only difference is, is that you got people asking questions about it mm-hmm. you know, because it's illegal. You know, back in the day, you never said shit. You know, <laughs> yeah, it's true, right? Don't ask, don't tell. You just say thank you, <laughs> <laughs> or you did it, and then you said, "What was it?" <laughs> <laughs> what, what 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 did I do? <laughs> you know, like the ones joke about a biker. You know, he, there was a rumor going around about this heroin that was uh, killing people, and so this biker, you know, he took a chance, and and when he didn't die, he he complained. He wanted his money back because he got robbed. <laughs> wanted the ultimate high to die. <laughs> I like biker jokes. There's that other one about the, the biker. Uh, well, you know, uh, the, you know what rats do uh, when they see food <clears throat> and they're not sure of it? A rat will take a little little nibble and then it will go sit and wait to see what it does with the system, you know? Mm-hmm. So if it's the least bit dangerous or poisonous or something, you know, the rat will get sick, but it won't die. But it'll it'll go. Oh, okay. I got you. I know where you where you're at. <laughs> so that's what these bikers. Uh, he almost OD'd, you know. And the doctor brought him back, and, and the doctor says, "Well, I guess you learned your lesson." And the biker said, "I sure did." And the doctor says, "Okay, what what is the lesson that you learned?" And the biker said, "Well, I learned that I can do anything, and it won't kill me." <laughs> <laughs> love it man love it and um so you guys started in music right yeah i did i did and cheech i guess in some ways he did too he was a like a rock and roll singer folk singer but a, a solo he, he oh a, okay more of a solo artist Although he did, he sang with bands, different bands. You know. it's, it to, to this day, he still sits in every once in a while with the different different uh, music groups, you know. <clears throat> like Corn, for instance. I think he sat in with Corn when they covered uh, uh, Eric My Eye, you know, one of our songs. Yeah, yeah no, no, Cheech was a singer when I met him. Yeah. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Wow. Yeah. How did you guys meet? He was up in Vancouver uh, dodging the draft. It was very serendipity that we met because when he uh, left America, he ended up outside of Calgary, which where I grew up. And and he met people that, that grew up with me. And so there was a little, you know, a little buzz about me you know i was like a hometown guy that ended up in motown you know 
And so that that was news for a lot of the locals, you know. Whatever happened to Tommy Chong, you know. Oh yeah, he, he, he was playing with Motel. And then Cheech uh, went skiing, broke his leg and ended up in the hospital and then hooked up with uh, with the nurse in the hospital, as he would, you know. And uh, that's when he got turned on to uh, the song that I wrote, Does Your Mama Know About Me? And Diana Ross, uh, you know, who discovered it, she covered the song. So she, uh, so Cheech, the only album the girlfriend had was uh, the um, uh, Love Child album with the Supremes. And on that, on that album is that Does Your Mama Know About Me? That song. And, and it, but he'd play it over and over again because it was so different from all the other Supreme Motown songs, you know. And, and then he had a, you know, he's a, Cheech was always a, a reviewer, you know, arts, music, art reviewer. And so, so he, he had to check out who wrote this song and Chong. <laughs> and then when I met him in Vancouver, we were looking for a, a, an actor, an actress to play straight guy. We had the hippie, me and another guy, Dave, for the hippies and, and Cheech was uh, supposed to be, he, he was replacing the straight man. We had a straight man for a while until his wife found out what he was doing. <laughs> <laughs> he got fired or his wife fired him. And so then we got Cheech and uh, yeah, it was very magical. When we got Cheech, everything just fell together. you know. And then we got fired. Uh, you know, my brother who was running the club, I, I changed the strip club from a from a strip club into a improvisational theater. Oh, and and that's where we were doing our comedy. We still had the girls, and the girls would still, uh, you know, do their do their bits, you know. But uh, but as far as the um, the uh, the music, you know, it was we were confined, you know, and what we did. We changed the strip club from like 20 horny customers that would throw money at the girls to 300, uh, uh, 300 art or theater goers that would count their change, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and we lost money. <laughs> the more people we had, the less money we made. Uh, and I don't know how that worked out, but because, you know, horny bikers you know they drink a lot and throw money around <laughs> so my brother he, he told him you know the acting thing was good but it was time for us to move on and so Cheech and I uh, put a band together because <clears throat> I'd always been a musician and like he was a singer but we never sang one note we, we got to the gig we started doing comedy we kept on doing comedy did a little more comedy Next thing you know, the show's over, and it was a battle of the bands, and we kind of won because the audience loved us, and uh, that was that was the beginning of Cheech and Chong. Yeah. Damn, man! So many decades of entertainment, man. And um, wow, what five five decades? We started in seventy one. Wow, that's impressive, you know, and. To never slow down, you know what I mean? Um, no, no, kept going. 
I mean, we started out when weed was so illegal that in Vancouver, they busted the four tops because the maid found a, a roach in on the in their ashtray in their hotel room. Mm. And so when the four tops got back to the hotel room, the DEA cops in Vancouver came through the you know the adjoining room and arrested everybody, including the white Jewish uh, comedian. Who, who was very funny saying, hey, I'm not with these guys. Do I look like a fourth top? Hey, look, come. Hey, there's four. They're not five. Right? You know, I'm not with these. <laughs> but, he, but he was in the room. <laughs> you know, so they grabbed everybody. And yeah, they had to get bailed out, and, you know, and, and warned. I don't think they were kicked out of the country, but a lot of black acts back in the day, you know, they weren't even allowed into that country because they had a pot conviction or, oh. you know. Yeah. It was crazy back then. I saw a couple of, well, I saw that one concert with uh, <clears throat> Charles, Charles Mingus. He's a very respected jazz uh, legend. Well, he, he came up to Vancouver to play in a club and they wouldn't let his drummer in because his drummer had a drug conviction. And so Charlie played the whole concert without a drummer. Damn. And it worked. He had bass and everything else. It worked. It worked really well. But Charlie wasn't happy and no one was happy. You know, and that racism, you know, I grew up with it. I grew up with it. And that, that really was uh, the genesis of Cheech and Chong. Because what we wanted to show how pot was harmless, not not dangerous, harmless. The danger is in the myth, the lies that we spread about it, and the lies about uh, the people, you the know, propaganda and stuff. Yeah, yeah. The Mexicans are bringing drugs. They're bringing their across the board. You know that shit. You know, mm -hmm. and so so we we just. We just uh, debunked, in one movie, we debunked that whole narrative to the point, well, now we're legal. <laughs> you know? Yes, for real. And, and I got to take, I, Cheech and Chong will take a lot of credit for that. You know? Big time. Facts. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I love that you guys did that because the propaganda, it would make marijuana look so bad and a lot of that was for racism too, right? Racism, total racist, racist. You know, well, what what white people have been done and have been doing all their their careers, you know, is justifying uh, massacres. Mm -hmm. The community, and, and it's just all it's all land grab, you know. So so it's uh, you know racism. That's what racism really is. It's just a, a land or. or Jealousy, you know, of one people. And so, what you do, you, you demonize them for, you know, their color <laughs> yeah. or their weight or their or their ways, you know, their traditions, you know. And that's what it was, you know. Those Mexicans smoked that marijuana. Well, look at the word marijuana, <laughs> it's a slang. <laughs> yeah. I think the real mota. You know, Yeska, you know, they have all these different names for, for pot, you know, or cannabis. 
Oh, yeah. When they legalize it, it's cannabis. Yeah. When they demonize it, it's marijuana. It's I never like thought of it. <laughs> I never thought of it that way. That's a good point. Yeah. I love how well, that's they- what they do. It's the image, you know, that, that uh, Hearst put in people's minds, you know, that guy got high on pot and killed his family with an axe. You know, that's the kind of lies that was being spread, you know, it's just like, like now. But anyway, it's, uh, we're changing it, you know. There's still a lot of changes to be made. And by the way, I understand why, this, why they're so slow in change. You know why? America signed treaties with all these countries around the world to eradicate and to demonize marijuana. Oh. And so if they legalize it federally here, then they, 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 they're, they're going against the treaty that they drew up and had other countries sign. And the penalties, I don't know what the penalties for the other countries, you know, if they start growing marijuana and that, but there were penalties, you know, because they, they wanted illegal everywhere. India, the, the king of Nepal, used to have a stamp on the hash that was sent around the world, you know. And it was that, that's how, how revered, you know, that, that cannabis was back then, you know, the hash. It was royalty. Wow. Now... That mentality is coming back. Back, I'll tell you one place that has to change this marijuana policy is China. Oh yes, they're really strict on that. Yeah, and, and, and that's going to be their downfall for their for the for their way of life, you know. Because uh, what what marijuana does, cannabis, it it frees the mind. Like I said, is it? yes. And that's why, that's why one of the reasons we lost the Vietnam War, you know, because everybody over there was on drugs. It was so easy to get, and, and, the, and the enemy found out right away, oh, yeah, you want to beat America, you know, get them high. Make sure no, they, I... Yeah, make sure they get the heroin, you know, get in there, get in there, get all the hookers, you know, working for the government. You don't get America stoned. Yeah. Pot was okay. Yeah. yeah. Pot, you know, cannabis it was on both sides, but it was the heroin that, that stopped, you know, the, 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 the GIs. They come back from uh, uh, Southeast Asia and they'd have habits and they'd be, they'd be shipping loads of it back, you know, the, you know, the illegal drugs and, and, and Vietnam and, and all the wars that we've done. Since the Second World War, have have, have been disasters. <laughs> you know, Korea, <laughs> Korea. We we lost that. We lost Korea. We lost uh, China. You know, we got Taiwan. We got a little island. You know, but because the capitalist system only works uh, for a, a few. I mean, it, it's. The capitalist system, to me, is the opposite of, uh, of the communist system. And so they both need to exist. So you have, so you have a, a comparison. 
You have one one's a capitalist, one's a communist. You know, so they they have to exist. Now, in, now we live in between that, those those beliefs, and you can see I can see why communism would work for certain uh, countries that are in the stages of of, of growth. You know. But I, I've been in, like I was in Budapest, Hungary, when uh, it was purely uh, capitalist. And, and the cab drivers were the ones that were complaining. They, they loved the communist system because there was no competition. You know, you, you, you just go to work and you got a job and you got paid. You know, but the capitalist system is that you got to hustle. You got to hustle for your, you know. And, and in a lot of ways, you know, the guys that hustle the most, they get the most, the ones less. But it's all about a lesson. You see, we live in a physical world for a reason. Because we are evolving, you see. And, and as long as you keep evolving, our Earth really is like a garden. You know, all sorts of creatures that are growing on the garden. But like every garden, you need it needs care <laughs> and, and attention and and the more you know and, and what we do especially with the with the human race because when you look at the the history of of the earth we we all started with a little microbe and just we evolved into what we are now and what we are is really creatures that are designed to take care of their, or, or neglect, take care of the world that they live in, or neglect it, because you got the opposites. And so that's what we're, that's why we're, and that, I used to argue with, not argue, but I had a discussion with Timothy Leary. And his, his solution was to get on a spaceship and go find another Earth. <laughs> <laughs> you know, start all over again. Yep. Because this one's ruined, and and I tell uh, and I told uh, Timothy, I said, Tim, we're already on a spaceship. <laughs> yeah, this Earth is a spaceship. It's not just a ball of mud going around the sun. It's whipping through space at enormous speeds, and, and the whole galaxy is whipping through space at enormous speeds, and. And, and, and if you look around, there's zillions and trillions of other galaxies whipping through space. And, and to me, the, the, the whole physical universe is a school where we here, we're here to evolve and to learn. And sometimes the lessons that we're trying to learn takes years, decades, lifetimes. To, to evolve, to learn. Mm -hmm. And death is really, see, like when you have the electric toaster on, for instance, and you want to plug it, did you kill the toaster? No. All you did was disconnect the toaster from the, from the power. So all the elements in the toaster are 
very much alive, but they're they're not powered. You see. And so because we are energy, everything comes down to electricity. And that's why like like even a, a meeting between a, a man and a woman, a husband and wife, there's electricity, there's tension. And there's violence and there's chaos. <laughs> the reason is, is the reason is that's what makes life negative, positive, and negative, positive and negative, interacting together. Now sometimes it's very harmonious, and other times it's explosions. But that's in order to have change, you have to have a physical universe. Now, the opposite of a physical universe. It's a spiritual universe where in the physical universe you have everything. You have zillions of galaxies and earths and moons and suns and, and explosions and fights and wars and, and moments of peace and more wars and you have all that. In the spiritual world, which is the opposite, is absolutely nothing there except love. The feeling of love, peace, peace. That's why they used to depict, or they still do depict, heaven as angels sitting on a cloud with a harp. Because a harp, it should be a guitar. All <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> it should be a guitar, but back in the day, it was the, the very angelic music. <clears throat> and, and, and it's symbolic. It's symbolic. Just like the devil, how they, they, they depict the devil with horns and tails. You know what they're saying? Mm. Is that that devil is a creature that hasn't evolved from the animal to the human. Oh, shit. You see, that's what the tail represents. That's what the hooves represents. That's what the horns represents. That's yeah. deep. And all they're all they're there, the beast of burdens, basically, you know, uh, compared to the humans, you know. Although we are the donkey or the elephant or the the mouse, because we are spirit, and we've been all those. We've evolved, like we evolved as as out of the out of the water. We were once fish, and then all of a sudden, with them, we went. With them, we became monkeys. And then from the monkeys, we came down from the trees and became uh, gorillas. And, and next thing you know, we were humans. <laughs> we evolved to the humans, you see. And so it's all about evolution. It's all about evolution. And so the, the pure is invisible because the pure is like the, the scripture says, God is too pure to behold iniquities. You know, God is too pure to be. Yeah, of course, because iniquities, <laughs> evil, it's just the workings, the workings of things that are being worked out, being eliminated, being added, you know. And, and one of the things we're here to learn, by the way, as humans, mm -hmm. you know, you know why we're here to what we're evolving toward mm. intelligence. And with intelligence comes the sense of gratitude.
Oh. Like I've always had the problem controlling, you know, keep, you know, there's scripture again. It says, keep your mind on God and he will perfect that which concerns you. Very simple. <clears throat> like I said about the bank robber, about the artist, the poet, the podcaster, the musician, the jailer, the, the you know, the executioner, the, all these people, all these humans, you know, that have different, different occupations. Uh, and what we're all doing is we're all learning. <laughs> we're all here and we're learning. Mm-hmm. Like I, I've, I've, uh, I've seen people, you know, in the, I, you know, I don't do that anymore. You know, I've, I've grown out of that. I've grown out of that. that, that it's, it's so, it's so crazy. It's so good because that's what we're doing. And then when you, then when we reach the end of the, uh, of the, the semester, you see. Yeah, now it depends on how we're doing, whether or not we should say cut this class short because that's everything that happens like death suicide all that is is just another lesson that we all will eventually face the, the deal with learn move on and, and and that's the way it is that's why scriptures always emphasize that there's only god that was, I've, I've talked to a few people, and I'm being very careful now because I, I, I got the message, uh, spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a habit of uh, seeing something and then ruining it for everybody because I, I, I can remember every detail. <laughs> no, that's I'll, I'll tell the whole thing. Oh, you got to see this show and then teach the specialist. I don't want to hear no more. Shut up. Don't, <laughs> I don't want to hear it. Don't tell me. Don't, don't spoil it for me. But spoiler alert happens to, to especially to gurus, you know, the, the old, the Maharishis, you know, the, one, uh, the Beatles used to follow, all those guys, you know, the Deepak Chopra, uh, you know, all these wise guys. Uh, they've been blessed. And, 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 and at first, their message resonates, you know, with, with people that resonate. But if it's the same message, all of a sudden, you're going, hmm, uh, it sounds a little bit re- repetitive, you know. And then you realize, you know, what you learn when you're three years old has nothing to do with what you have to learn when you're 16 years old. <laughs> you're a different person. So you leave evolved. You see, and so this is this is why when you when you become aware, like I am now, there's another biblical thing that I follow: ask, and you shall receive. You know, who do you ask? You ask God. Where? Who is God? God is spirit, and so if God is spirit, then. Part of you is God, because mm-hmm. you're spirit, and we're all spirit. And so if God's spirit and your spirit, you don't really have to ask. But what you're doing is you're, you're inventorying your own own desires, 
you know, in your own needs, you see. I was lucky when I was a really, really young guy. I was taken from my mother. She was in the hospital. She was had uh, TB, oh, tuberculosis. So I never, we never saw her for five years, at least five years. And uh, in, in the meantime, I was in the, first in the hospital. I had pleurisy. And then I was taken, put in an orphanage, you know, into the uh, Salvation Army home. So I never had parents. I had overseers <laughs> from my earliest memories. I had nurses at first, and then the nurses uh, became uh, uh, what do you call it? Keepers, you know, like Joe, Joe, you know, in the home, you know, they were matrons, and and they weren't the quiet, sexy nurse like I, like I grew up in the hospital. They were the, they were like uniforms and and mean when they had to be. But sort of like detached, you know, and so when I was when I was in the home, I just naturally gravitated to the to the big friendly guy that was also in the home, <laughs> and so I stood like a duckling, you know, I stood next to the big duck, you know, <laughs> you know, and and, and 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 I never really got to see my parents until I was about five, I guess five six. No, five, six, I was in the home at that age. I guess seven, six, seven years old. I think it was my seventh birthday that we celebrated in the summer. And then that winter, we we spent our first Christmas in our in our little wood heated, uh, wood stove heated uh, outdoor plumbing cabin. And... Uh, our first Christmas. It's going to be a movie. I'm going to do a, a biopic of it. Love it. Because it was so beautiful. My dad literally had to go in, into into the hills, into the mountain to find a, a suitable Christmas tree. And it was a little scrawny little thing <laughs> that I remember. You know, it wasn't that big because he had to cut it and carry it and put it in the car and all that stuff. And... <laughs> And, and homemade Christmas decorations. Oh, that's awesome! Homemade Christmas for the for the for the for the the room, you know those banners. And I see. I've been in the hospital. I I, I don't remember being anywhere really for Christmas. Kind of in the home. Kind of, yeah, kind of. Yeah, I don't. I don't. The only Christmas I remember is the one at home with, with with my mother, and we were too poor to, for presents, and so we hung stockings, uh, real stockings, not no Christmas stockings, but they're real <laughs> by the by the cook stove, and my mother filled them with fruit and candies and nuts and uh, no toys. We never had a toy. And I remember my, my grandfather came, made us bunk beds. And beside the bunk bed, we each, my brother had one, I had the other, we had uh, orange crates, wooden orange crates turned on its side and with a little thing in the center for a shelf. And with no doors, of course. But that's where we kept our little night stuff, our little belongings or whatever we had. <laughs> It, the 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 property and the love of that 
moment in my life, those moments in my life are so vivid compared to where I am now, especially, you know, and what my kids, the Christmas is my kids. But one thing I made sure that we had in, in, in my house, no matter where the wealth was, was a, a lot of laughter and a lot of love, you know. I've, you know, we went through some problems with, uh, with money, you know, with wealth. Because the problem, you know, the biggest problem with wealth is you don't have time to pay attention to to the real, the ones, you know, your really close loved ones. You, know, you get taken away, you know, your business, your fame, or your, your, your job, or whatever, somehow takes you away, you know. So sometimes you, you look at people, you know, say are disabled, you know, or, or got some kind of, you know, where they're immobilized, they can't move, you know. Mm -hmm. Instead of feeling sorry for them, <laughs> I've, I've been in the position going, they're lucky. They're, <laughs> they're, they're sitting back and they're, <clears throat> they're, they're enjoying, you know, in a lot of ways. Well, they should be anyway. Because sometimes, you know, that the fame and you know get in front of all those people and then at the end of that that rush that's why that's why uh entertaining is a lot like making love you know there's a lot of preparation and anticipation but the and the act itself seems to be over so fast <laughs> <laughs> i love that i love that <laughs> <laughs> And then, and then, then you're sitting with memories, and then the you know thinking of the next one, you know, the next time. Yeah. Well, you see these cruise tubes that we do; they really work. Oh, they, they, tell me about those. They're Cheech and Chong cruise tubes, and what they are—they're legal hemp uh, uh, gummies, but they have because every hemp plant legally has 3.5 THC you see it's not separated uh, this is CBD so you get a lot of CBD and you get you get three percent at least three maybe more percent THC and the combination makes you feel good now I, I went to dinner with this friend of mine he's an agent I guess manager. Anyway, he would, you know, he needs to be sharp, you know. If anything is your drug would be cocaine. You know? <laughs> nice. So he but he started doing the, the gummies and he, he likes the gummies. I didn't bring him up I got a quite a bit. And I didn't bring him a a, a thing. Um, a jar of it because uh, I don't know, I he just had the attitude that he wasn't that appreciative, you know. Oh, okay. And then, then, then I found out. Wow! And then, no. Then he said, "Tom, you got any more of those gummies? Come on, look in your pocket. There must be one hidden there somewhere." You got them hooked. <laughs> totally, totally, totally. No, they're good. Well, you heard me, man. I haven't shut up since you you said hello. <laughs> <laughs> um, where can I? Where can we get those? Uh, you know, you have to do the research. You have to check out your own. Uh, uh, dispensaries 
in your thing. You know, there's a, a Cheech and Chong a website, of course, you know, and I think uh, I, 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 Paris took me off Twitter back when Trump was, uh, you know, and was, but still running when he was against Hillary. And I was getting in these uh, stupid arguments with these Trumpies. And so, <laughs> and, and our, a lot of our audience are, they're Trumpies. Oh, damn. And, yeah, so I, uh, so Paris, it's not good for the brand, not good for you, you know. And he's right, he was right. I was, I'm very happy not being on Twitter because I'd get in dumbest arguments with everybody, you know. And that's another thing that I had to, I had to learn. You see, everybody's evolving at their own speed, at their own rate, you see. And so a, a Trumpy today will be an anti-Trumpy tomorrow when he wakes up, you know. And they do wake up. You do wake up. You do evolve. I mean, you look back. Hitler had a hell of a following. You know? mm-hmm. Even to right up to when he committed suicide, he, he still had people dying for him. Yeah, you know, in, in in their their brain, he was he was a savior. You know? mm-hmm. But time told that no. But there's still people that you know, and that's that's a positive negative. I was telling you about. You know, so you're always going to have your negative. It has to. For every Elon Musk, there's a few trillion uh, Donald Trumps. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's just that's just the way it is. You know, and for a reason too, because that's how we make that's how we we, we evolved. <clears throat> you know, especially with governments. I've been really checking it out because. A pandemic, uh, it's it's so funny, too, because the Republicans stopped abortion, right? Now, uh, abortion was doing more than just helping the mother. Mm-hmm. Abortion was keeping the, the population down. One of the biggest problems that we have with homelessness is overpopulation. You know, it's not that we never had homeless problems before. We always had homeless problems, but we never had that many people. Oh, you're yes. right. That's all. And so back in the day, and I don't care any day, you go back in any society, you're going to have people that have everything and people that have nothing. Mm-hmm. It's just the way it is. You know? the, the, the natives and the, the Northwest natives and the Heidi natives, they, they have a, um, they live right on the coast. And, and the, the coast of British Columbia, my son lives there now is so rich with with everything with with fish the seafood and the forest is filled with game there's there's food there's there's so much food mm-hmm. there but these natives and and they they express themselves with totem poles you know which are sculptures wood sculptures and and they're basically a, a and they, they 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 had slaves, you know, back when you could have slaves, <laughs> you know, and they 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 probably came from uh, Samoa, Hawaii, with the big boats, and uh, but anyway, they ended up on the west coast. Well, they have a a tradition there called potlash. What a potlash is is when the chief gets acquires so much wealth 
that he's got nowhere to put it. So he, he, they have a party and he gives it to the people. He gives the excess wealth to the people. In other words, it's welfare oh. from the richest guy. And there's no cost involved. This is a party. You, Everybody goes home with a salmon. Everybody goes home with food. Everybody goes home with where you need a, a paddle, a boat, whatever, whatever you need. Whoever needs it gets it, you see, because they know that within a few, a year or so, the chief will have everything, you know, and the other, the other the natives will be looking for something, you know, because that's just the nature of, of the tribe, you know, of every, every tribe. You got winners and losers. You got the positive and negatives everywhere. And the way, and that's why the Bible always told us, you know, uh, uh, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And that really is a double-edged sword because it explains, it, it also explains evil. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So if you're a masochist, for instance, and you like getting your ass whipped with a leather belt, you know, <laughs> there's chances are you would tear somebody else's ass up pretty bad. <laughs> Hoping you get yours. Very so, true. Yeah, so, so you see, you see, and, and, and what we are, we're in this ocean of reality. And that's why I understand, you know, people that, that are vegetarians, you know, because they don't like to hurt animals. I, I understand that, that feeling, you know, because they're right. Animals are uh, human, mm -hmm. you know, in, in that sense. They have feelings, they have they have humor, they have all, all they have all, all that stuff, but they have a different job than, than humans. No one's better than, than, than the other. You know, we're all equal on this planet. It's so cool. They all have roles. Everybody has a role. Everybody has a role. Yeah. And that's why when I, I shot a movie called Zootopia, and one of the lessons in Zootopia is that you have big people. You have big rhinos, and you have big elephants, and you have little mice, and you have little squirrels, and you have little rats, and you have little, and then dogs get together and they howl, or wolves get together and they howl. And, and, and there's such a vibrant mass of, of, of life. And so after I did uh, Zootopia, I would look, I'd, I'd see people in a way different, non judgmental way. You know, because one of the things when I was uh, with Cheech wasn't too long ago, you know, doing a lot of autographs. And, and both Cheech and I were kind of fitness buffs, you know, because we were on screen and we had to work out. Want to look good on, you know, look good on uh, in the movie screen. But the trouble is with sometimes when you're looking good, <clears throat> you, you kind of somehow want, to, want everybody to think the way you do, you know, you know, this is guy, you know, exercise is great, good, losing weight, being able to say no to desserts and all that stuff, you know, but that's you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Someone else is in Zootopia, you know, you could, you could be talking to a rhino or a wolf, <laughs> you know, not a mouse. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah. I love it, man. Wow. I love the way you think. And, um, you know, about that balance, you know, like if you don't have rainy days, you won't appreciate the sunny days, you know? That's the way it is. And prayer works, by the way. Yes. yes. Prayer really works. It's so funny. I got We got invited. <clears throat> I was at a wedding in New York. And while we were there, the Boston was playing their seventh game, you know, uh, that they came back from three under and, and, and they forced a, a seventh game and uh, and the guy that owned the Celtics or one of the owners was at the wedding and so he invited a bunch of us to uh, get on a private plane and fly to Boston for the seventh game how cool is that <laughs> yeah. and so so I, I was at the seventh game in, in Boston now I knew that Boston wasn't going to win and so my money was on, uh, on Miami. And, and here we are in Boston <laughs> with all those fans. But I, I, and then they wanted me to, the owner, there's always a catch, you know. There's no free lunch anyway. <laughs> so the guy goes, uh, uh, would it be okay for you to perform, uh, you know, do some stand-up uh, one of the nights, you know, that you're there? They, they had me down for Wednesday, I think. I said, sure. But when people ask me or, you know, give me something and then say, you know, okay, I want you to perform. They don't get the Cheech and Chong. <laughs> you know, no one gets that. You know, unless you're paying huge, huge money and then we have to work on it. You know? mm -hmm. when, when you get me up there to talk, I just go with whatever, whatever comes to me that at that moment. I love it. Just improvise, huh? <clears throat> totally, totally. And 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 it makes it makes my it makes a lot of people nervous. I guess that know me, or, or that don't know comedy. If if you know comedy, then, it, then it's, it's exciting <laughs> because that's what you want. That's why a lot of people heckle comedians, comics, to, to get them off their their show, and to see if they're really if they can really handle, you know, surprises, you know, uh, new 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 Jersey, where Andrew Dice Clay started. Remember him? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, New Jersey was oh, it was, a, it was like a gauntlet, running a gauntlet there. Because if the audience found out that you were a new comic, oh, oh, they would sit there stone faced, not laugh at anything. Oh shit! <laughs> yeah, I'd be so they, nervous. They did that on, on Shelby because you know they they put every comic. If you were back east and you get on the comedy stage, you got to you have it shit together one way or the other. The bar is open. Sit back, grab a cold one, and get ready for the news you didn't even know you needed. From the frozen wasteland of western North Dakota to the tropical playground of Florida, it's time for tales of wonder and amazement. Put the kids to bed and pour yourself a drink. 
lock the doors and close the blinds, break out the cocaine and hookers. It's time for Happy Hour News. And so Shelby, you know, she learned her trade in Guam and California, you know, Canada, you know, all the real easy places. So we were playing New Jersey, and I knew it was going to be tough because by that time she was doing 20 minutes by herself before she'd bring me on. And and she she got a little reputation of being good, funny. You know, other comics were coming to see her. And so she gets up in New Jersey, and they pulled that don't laugh at anything on her. And she did her whole show. And so I'm thinking, you know, because she introduced me or the MC introduced me, then I come up and I passed her coming up there. I said to her, pretty tough crowd, huh? <laughs> and she looked at me and she said, fuck them. <laughs> That's gangster right there. I love that. Then she went out, then she went out and did a second show. And they loved her. They, they loved because they were there to destroy. It. And and with her, you know, she's she's indestructible. You know, she she's wow, she's the real deal. You you don't do stand up, you know, because I the only thing I could do with her, you know, they in fact one of the when we were on that road, one of the the, the girls heard about that that Shelby. That I should, I taught Shelby to do stand up. And she said, How did you know, teach me? Can you teach me how to do stand up? <laughs> uh, I said, Yeah, just go out there and try it. <laughs> Your shot. <laughs> yeah, give it a shot, see what happens. Well, that's basically what Shelby did. But you know what it did? It's ego. See, I, I never really developed an ego because of my situation, you know, being in the home, being in the hospital, you know, not being uh, mothered. And then after all that, joining army cadets. And so now I'm in Canadian army cadets, learning how to march, learning how to shoot, a, learning how to kill people, basically. Mm-hmm. But learning discipline, learning how to march, learning how to synchronize, you know. So, so my my life has been very, very serendipity. You know, it's been planned. I know it. And I and I threw the I Ching, you know, the I Ching, the Book of Changes. I threw the Book of Changes yesterday, and I got number one, the, the, most, the first hexagram on the whole book. And then I forget how many, 64 or something like that. For some reason, I threw the first one. And I've had my daughter read it to me because it's kind of in there. But it has a lot to do with ego. <laughs> Damn. Because that's one thing comedians have. You know? Yeah. We have egos. Who else? No one can love you like you love yourself. You know, and that goes a long way, you know, but I love how you're so humble, man. I love that. You're a genuine guy. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, that's that's a lesson I learned. And and the other lesson I learned, well, when, when they, like I said, when they asked me to do a, a show, and then I'll I'll ad lib, ad lib, but it's very in a way I know I know where I'm going. I know what I have to do, and I, I and I have that that knowledge because a lot of people, a lot of comedians, when they're first starting out, you know. They call it taking chances. Oh, I took a chance. Oh, you know. Well, eventually, that's all you want to do. (laughs) That becomes your style. You see? That becomes your style. You don't need to rely on reliable bits, you know, that's going to make everybody laugh. Now, Now, you're at the point where I want to get beyond that. I want to make it make him laugh even harder and harder. That's where Rodney Dangerfield was at. Red Fox. Oh, you know, he was crazy. Uh, uh, Kevin Hart. No. Uh, uh, what's the guy that got slapped? Uh, oh yeah, Chris. Um, Chris Rock. Yeah. Chris Rock. Chris Rock. I met Chris Rock. You talk about humble. When he met me, oh man, I looked at looked at the 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 love the love and respect in his eyes was just he asked me why I do this you know oh my god when you get people like that looking at you wow <laughs> you know it's like oh my god <laughs> what did I thank you Lord what did I ever do to deserve even one little moment like this you know yeah man Love it. I've been so I've been so blessed, but I, but being blessed, yeah, it all it all comes with with uh, uh, it's a, it, everything's learning. You're learning something. Yeah, it's it's something. Like I, for a while there, I was. Upset. I didn't mean to be upset. I didn't want to be upset. But when when Cheech got his his art gallery, you know, you know about the art gallery, mm-hmm. and um, and I thought I was going to be involved somehow, you know, it's Cheech and Chong. And, and then I found out I wasn't. <laughs> And not only wasn't, but I wasn't. He he doesn't even have a like one picture of Cheech and Chong up up front. You know, no, no acknowledgement. And and at first, you know, I said, "Oh, what you know? What 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 what's going on?" And and it wasn't. I, you know, I had a ton of ideas what I would do. I I, under, I totally understand why, why Cheech wouldn't want to partner up with me because, you know, I, I do take over. <laughs> you know, <laughs> there's no doubt about it, you know. <laughs> we started writing the movie, and next thing you know, I wrote the, the, the title. I wrote most of the, of the movie itself, you know. I know I do, you know, and, I, and I'm... And we got a teacher. I got a movie coming up now, 
Oh. Where we, we play our, we're, we're going to be in it, where we play characters that, what would happen, you know, what happened to the characters in the movies, not, not Cheech and Chong themselves, but those Pedro and Man characters. Oh. And, and so there's a couple of writers, they wrote a whole movie about it. And Cheech just recently signed on, you know, so, so it's a goal. Now, I'm going to meet with the, going to meet with the with the directors in that coming up and but you know and and so 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 you know it was interesting looking at that thinking okay there must be a reason okay let's find out what the reason is you know so with withhold withholding judgment which was very hard because uh, because even when I was there, you know, I wasn't seeing the, the the thing. I'm looking around. You know, I'm looking for. Okay, where's there? Where's there? Must be a Cheech and Chong picture somewhere here. There's somewhere nothing. around here. <laughs> nothing. No mention. Nothing. Yeah. And then Cheech told me. You know, he told me a little story. He said he was at his yeah. You know, his, his art gallery. You know, and then he noticed people wanted to do selfies with. And so, so he noticed he, he did one, then he did another one. Then he looked and he saw people were lining up. And so he escaped out the back door. Oh, shit. Damn. In the meantime, we get a, a podcast going, Bowmates. And we got it going now. And it's a Cheech and Chong podcast. Oh. So we got a company that's trying to bring this public, you know, they get on the stock market and everything else. And, and when, once they do uh, reschedule, you know, pot, we'll get on the podcast. You know? I mean, we'll get on the whole thing, you know, it, it'll all come together, you know. And when that happens, then, then you know, then when we can start buying pot with credit cards, you know, like, like any, every other business, you know, right now it's cash and, 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 and the dispensaries are bringing bundles of cash to the IRS to pay their taxes. Yeah. And it causes a lot of problems with everybody because mm -hmm. that's cash. I'm cash okay. seems to disappear. Yep. <laughs> you know? And so so th there's forces working to, to legalize it. You know? Oh, I love it. I mean, to, to, to uh, take it off the, uh, the, uh, the, the list, you know, the... Um, uh, what do they call it? Uh, reschedule from Schedule One. Right now, they've got it Schedule One, which has no medical use whatsoever. And I'm making millions of dollars selling uh, medicine. <laughs> For real, right? For medicine. medicine, CBD medicine. It's only a medicine. It, it, it can't be, you know. It's so crazy how. But I, like I say, I understand, you know, because they, they had a, they, you know, the, the, the illegal pot business was good for everybody. Uh, good for the prison industry. You know, you got the good kind of prisoners in there, you know, potheads or farmers, and they're, you know, they're not killers. And, you know, <laughs> they're not rapists. They're not murderers. They're, they're farmers and, or, or they're, truck drivers or delivery people you know they're 
they're, they're not dangerous in, in, in any way, you know. Mm-hmm. Now, your cartels, you know, the guys with the big, the guys that deal with the money, uh, they're dangerous. You know? They got guns and shit, you know. But, <clears throat> but as far as, uh, so what they did, in, in, in a way, and I guess it's, it's, it's ordained. Yeah, of course it is. Because what, 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 the, the world did is use marijuana as what it is. It's a teaching, mm-hmm. teaching substance. Yeah, it would open the brain to everything. And for the most part, it's all good. And, and, and even Trump, you know, one time when I was doing stand-up, I said, God has a sense of humor. Come on. How else do you explain Trump? <laughs> <laughs> because think about this. <laughs> now, Trump, Trump, and Trump did it himself. See, Trump did not want to win the presidency. He, 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 he as much told Howard Stern that oh. when he's on when he's on Howard Stern, Howard said, "Trump done." You can't be serious about running for president. And, and Trump says, why? Well, you're past. What you've done, it's all going to come out. It's all going to be, be, be for everybody. Everything you've done is once, you, once, especially, especially if you get, if you win. Oh fuck it! Then it's a disaster. You know, you've got no privacy. And why? And, and like Howard said, why would you want to do that? <laughs> you're rich, you're famous, you got your own plane, you got your own golf clubs, you got everything happening. Why would you want to run for president? Well, then, I, and the good, good question: the publicity it gives him a microphone, you see, uh-huh. and it gives him a, 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 a stage. And because he's going to be the president, everybody shuts up, listens to this guy. You know, and that's all he's ever wanted in his life. And so what he did, he told his wife, he told everybody, I'm not going to win. <laughs> There's no way I'm going to win. And I'm going to make sure I'm not going to win. Because just before they vote, I'm going to come up with this Hollywood access tape, you know. And first of all, I'm going to knock the shit out of John McCain. <laughs> so I'm going to get all those people hating me. Then I'm going to come up with this access tape and tell how, how I fuck over uh, people, you know, just because I'm famous. And once that gets out there, there's no way I can win. But he did not realize he was being pursued by the FBI. James Comey, all of the, they're trained. They recognize gangsters right away. And when Comey and they did a, any kind of investigation, they found out he is colluding with 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 Putin, with Russia. He, this guy is a danger, mm-hmm. but he's a gangster. And the thing is, if Hillary gets in, this guy is going to be a nightmare because all he, he there's his freedom of speech. He can like he did with Obama. He was Obama's worst nightmare forever. To the point that Obama, the dinner, had to get back at Trump, you know, because Trump was such a thorn in his side. So Trump just visualized him 
running for, for president, but never winning, okay? Now, the FBI says, looks like Hillary might win, you know? And if Hillary wins, we're, this guy is going to get away with everything. Now, this is my, my interpretation is that Comey says, okay, let's make sure Hillary doesn't win. The last minute, he says, you know, she's under investigation. She wasn't under investigation. They had already investigated. They already found her. She's as clean as a whistle. Yeah, she had her things on the serve, but <laughs> compared to what Trump's done. <laughs> but you see what I'm saying? And so Trump had a, 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 a loser cake made for the night of the election. What? And when he when it came out that he actually won, they were unprepared. They were unprepared. They were going to bed. They thought for sure that he had lost, and you know, because there's no way he could win. Well, he won. He because even though he lost the popular vote, he won the racist vote. He won the 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 thing. And so now he's president. No, as soon as that happened, well, Melania, she she cried her eyes out that night because she knew her life was over. You know, mm -hmm. because she knew, because he promised her, listen, baby, there's no way I'm going to win. <laughs> I swear to God, I'm not going to win. So he wins. Now he's the president. And once he became president, he's, he's crazy. He, so, so he says to himself, there must be, you know, I'm, I must be ordained. There must be something special going on. Why else would I be elected? You know, I am. I am going to be the great president. Now, I don't know shit. <laughs> you know, I, I'm really ignorant. But I'll just let, let her tell everybody I know everything. And they'll, they have to believe me because I'm president. You know? And so he became this tin pot dictator. Yeah. <laughs> and now, and now it's so crazy because what happens when you tell a lie, you're actually creating an entity. You're creating a scenario that becomes physical. It becomes real because it's a lie. But if the people buy into it, the lie, then they think, oh, it's really happening. Therefore, my imagination you know, which I think is going to happen, like Giuliani and all those guys. You know. See, Giuliani at one time was anti-criminal, uh, you know, but he'd been around him so long that he became a criminal. Oh. You see, there's a, there's a law in Canada that says if you work in a psychiatric, psychiatric hospital, you cannot work any longer than one year. Then, you're, then you have to be Transported, transferred out because what happens? They found out that you acquire the mental uh, problems that, that the patients have. Oh, that's crazy. Whoa. Yeah. 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 And, and, that, and that's what happened. See, that, that's what happened with, 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 with Trump because think about what happened, what he, what he said to, about Hillary. He said, uh, you, you got to know about classified documents, you, you know, and if, and if anybody messes with the secrets of the United States, they should be lock her up. 
That's why they were saying lock her up. Mm -hmm. He did exact crime that he described Hillary doing. Damn. Because he is a criminal. He can't help himself. He is he is the devil. <laughs> there's, there's no, and see, the devil doesn't exist. The devil is just uh, another false uh, tale, you know, that has a lot of people believing, you mm-hmm. know, because that, that's the nature of our positive negative. Yep. Like, but anyway. Man, but um, I love your wisdom and I uh, love the way you describe things, love your stories. And um, Matt, anything new? Uh, so you guys got a movie coming out? Um, anything we're else? Working, we're working on a, on a, I guess it's kind of like a biopic. Okay. Again, you know, a lot of this is out of my control. So I'm kind of hanging on and trying to figure out what's going on. Uh, my daughter and her guy, Dave, uh, they're filmmakers. They've been working on a documentary, a Cheech and Chong documentary for five years now. Wow. And it's, it's in the can. It's ready to go. It's just being babied and tuned up. and nice. Once that's released, and then we're going to do biopics where we're going to go back into our lives. Because I see uh, what we have to do with immigration. We have to do the same thing with immigration that we did with marijuana. Cheech started with uh, born in East L.A. You know, he, he, he started that, that movement, but he didn't, uh, he didn't follow up, you know. And so I, 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 I want to uh, make that a priority, you know. Well, look at our problems. See, I can, we can solve all our problems because we've been given AI. Mm-hmm. We've been given the phone. We've been given the iPad. We've been given the computer. We've been given all the tools we need to create uh, a, a civilization that will flourish. You know, that will that will solve our our day to day problems. You know, our everyday problems. You know, because what I, what I what I've been learning. In, in just my life alone, you know, uh, if you go through it, what I went through, you, you see, again, scripture says, call no man your father except God. Now, that makes so much sense when you realize that as men, we're we're, we're we're sperm donors, right? For real, <laughs> that's all we are. We're sperm donors, okay. And if our sperm uh, is needed, it will definitely be used. And the way it is, you know, because we're here. Like I said, we're here to learn. We're and and. Like with, with what I'm doing, I, I think my, my job was to shine a light on racism. Because right from the start of my life, you know, I've, I've experienced 
racism, and I've experienced uh, the the joy that I get from the knowledge that I receive from having to deal with it. See, this is a problem that was given to me that I can't sweep under the carpet. You know, I can't just, oh, pretend I'm somebody else and Mm -hmm. just ignore it. No, people have done that. People will be doing that forever, you know. But uh, I was given talent that it just made me, you know, just almost like said, okay, no, no, this is where you got to be. You got to be over here. We need you here. I'm part of a team. We all are. We all are. And, and I've always maintained that art would save our world. Think about it. The most gorgeous places to worship God were made by artists. See, art, the artist is God's messengers. That's why they're blessed with this talent. That's why I'm blessed with with, 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 with the talent that I have. Mm -hmm. It's to further humanity it's, it's to, to get a grip on it and say okay that's good racism okay yeah there is racism now how do you deal with that how do you deal with it because i realized you know i grew up in a white supremacy uh country where a few miles away uh, the guy this, uh, polish guy i think it was wrote a uh, scathing uh, book about how the Holocaust was uh, made up, was a lie. What? Yeah. That's crazy. And, and uh, these white nationalists, they took his reading, his writings. The guy was from Olds, Alberta, I believe. White, white, white guy, old, wearing white nationalist. And so he, he, said that the Holocaust, he was the Holocaust denier. This wow. was all made up. It was all made up. And he was the first Alex Jones. Wow. He was the first. And I think Alex Jones got into his writing. So I grew up miles, just a few miles from that mentality. Wow. And, and I, I met guys, I met one guy, he said that watching black people and running water fascinated him to no end. Oh my god, like those fire holes? Like, oh my god. You told me that. Wow. And that's the people I grew up with. In, in our documentary, uh, we talk about uh, experiencing uh, like firsthand when you're a kid. Racism. When you like, uh, <clears throat> We moved from our little uh, reservation type house into a wartime house where all the other wartime uh, vets all got their houses and they all looked the same and they're all in a neighborhood. And one time before we moved in there, they had a communal lawn. <laughs> and the minute we moved in there, fences went up all over the place. Because <laughs> <laughs> we, were, we were raised in the country and we were like little native boys. You know? What is the most dangerous book you have ever read? How about Mein Kampf by the notorious leader of the Nazis, Adolf Hitler? 
or the book the Beatles warned us about in their classic song Revolution. Quotations from Chinese Communist leader Chairman Mao. Maybe you would hide your copy of Bertrand Russell's Why I'm Not a Christian. Or even semi-fictional works like Salman Rushdie's book, The Satanic Verses. That book had him living in hiding from angry Muhammad followers. But what about a book that is most likely not only dangerous to own and read, but could very well be illegal in many countries? Roderick Edwards' book, How to Overthrow Our Government, takes the reader on a historical and hypothetical journey of revolutions, civil war, and sedition. From ancient Chinese farmers turning their farm tools into weapons, to the attempted impeachment of the U.S. President Trump. This book has it all. Get it today before it's banned forever. Black here, half Chinese, uh, brown as could be because we never wore clothes because my mother had to do the wash by hand. Oh. And so, so you, you wore shorts, you know, in the summer. You don't need clothes. Why you get anything? You're going to Sunday school, you have to wear clothes, you know. And you better not get them dirty. <laughs> you know? <Yep. laughs> you know? <laughs> and so, so that, that was the kind of kind of poverty uh, low end. And so we were we were the the black people in the neighborhood, you know. So I knew that I knew that feeling, you know. And because my dad was a vet and it was Canada, they couldn't pull the discrimination thing. Although they had a anti-Chinese law in Canada right up to 1964 or five, something like that, where it's that the Chinese could not run for office and they could not run or own a, 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 a business. What? That's why back in the day, uh, you remember you have, you see companies called Acme Fruit? Yeah. Or some generic name, you know? Yeah, that was all owned by Chinese. As Chinese started the they started the the, the food business in in, in America. Wow. That's why the chow, you know, when they go, they call it the chow wagon or let's let's have some chow. It's Chinese for food. That's crazy. That's, that's what it said. That's all all the cooks on the cattle drives and that you know they always had some Chinese cook, and all the rich people always had a Chinese Chinese cook. And yeah. what see the the Chinese <clears throat> being the oldest. Uh, one of the old civilizations on earth, they know the first thing you have to do is find a, a, an income stream, you see. And so that's why the Chinese would have a corner store, for instance. All in Canada, all the stores were owned by Chinese, a corner store. And that's where you go buy uh, <laughs> candy for two cents or penny candy, uh, milk, uh, flour, eggs, all the necessities, uh, you know, before 7-Eleven, you know, there are the corner stores. Well, the Chinese always, they, they told, you know, they would tell, like my grandfather, when he came over, the first thing he did was open a gambling joint. <laughs> oh, nice. Smart. Yeah. So I think that's, it was in my genes. I think that was in my genes because my, my grandmother, who I never, I never met my Chinese grandmother or grandfather. They, they died before I uh, <clears throat> got a chance to meet them. Oh, anyway, they, uh, my grandmother was uh, head of the Chinese uh, uh, theater in Edmonton. And I got pictures of my dad 
with little he's in the play, you know, little samurai warrior. Yeah. So I, I came from a very cultured background, you know, but very racist. Vancouver, Canada was very racist, right up to, like I said, to the 60s, before a Chinese could run for office or, or own, own a business outright. And my dad, at one time, he had a Chinese passport. He was born in Canada, but he had a Chinese passport for Canada. <laughs> it was crazy, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, they were, they were afraid. Well, the Chinese had all the the wherewithal to go through. They knew how to do deal with explosions, explosives. And so they could blast tunnels. And, and, and so the Chinese put the railroad through the Rocky Mountains in, uh, in Canada. And that's why my grandfather ended up uh, coming to, uh, to, to Canada. And I'm, I'm quite sure that, I didn't know for sure, but I'm quite sure my dad and his brother and his sister uh, were uh, like a love child for his Canadian family. <laughs> Pretty sure my grandfather had another family, Chinese family. And I've probably got a shitload of relatives in China somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, Chinese, if you know your Chinese name, they can trace you. They can go back thousands of years. That's a trip. What the fuck? Isn't that something? Yeah, yeah I was born and I was the only one of my family, uh, I was given a Chinese name. Chiang Bak Hong is my Chinese name. That's and, trippy. And you tell that to, you know, people that know Chinese, they'll write it down and say, oh, yeah. And, and I'm from the Shanghai Ch Ch Czech, uh, uh, that, that, that tribe, you know. Then there's Mao and there's all these other other factions, you know. But yeah, the, Ch the Chinese... Their, their system of names and, and writing that is unbelievable. We're going to do a movies. I'm, I'm getting hooked up with the right movie people, and I want to do a lot of movies of, uh, of the immigration. See, I, I can see movies about immigration going on for... Because right now, you know, the attention span is, is is so short now. Remember when a when a movie if it was like three hours? Oh my God, that's too long. <laughs> you know, <laughs> or they would go to a movie theater and they'd have little movie shorts and cartoons. And oh yes, thrillers. and then the the main movie would come on. It'd be uh, ninety minutes, and, and you know, gone. Those days are gone now. Film film was gone. Now it's all digital. So, so we're in a whole new age. So what, what I want to do is, is I want to show, because I've been doing research, and I, and I found a book in uh, New New Brunswick, Canada, where this archaeologist was on a plane over over New Brunswick, and he looked down, and he saw a, a outlines of a settlement. Oh. Where the you know where you can see the where the structures were different things and then he got down on the ground and looked at it real close and found it was a smelting settlement. It's a settlement where they smelted uh, uh, gold ore, and uh, 
then he did some work and it was built, it was a Chinese settlement, built by Chinese. And so he did some research and he found out that the tribe, the native tribe in that area were the only tribe in North America to have a, a written language. What? Yeah. Holy shit. So what happened is that the Chinese miners, you know, the ones that went there that found the gold, then they made it into gold things. They used locals as their laborers, but they didn't enslave them. Instead of enslaving them, they, they brought them into the community, give them work, and then taught them, taught them the language, taught them the, right, the written language. So there's a, a native tribe in, in America that, that connected with the Chinese. And the Chinese had to come back to that area over the years, you know, until the gold was all gone, you know. But what the Chinese did, they never, they weren't violent, they never enslaved, they never, you know, they didn't use like Columbus did, you know, mm -hmm. uh, yep. where they, they used violence and, and you know, terror to, to enslave the indigenous. What the Chinese did, they were, well, of course, they're Chinese too. They were indigenous, <laughs> so so they, they, they that, that's what they would do. That's how it should be. Love that. Well, that's, that's no, that's what it is in certain certain areas. And and what I want to do with with uh, with the future is is really enjoy the future. You start start these uh, these twenty year, thirty year uh, series. You know, because uh, like I want to, I want to document the people that hike from Guatemala to to uh, Mexico. Yeah, you know, I want to, I want to hire those people and hire them as a movie movie companies. What I do, what I want to do, what I will do is when I get my movie company, I want to uh, go around the world and recruit people for the movie company. And have them come and live in America and become Americans, and and, uh, and, and that way we can get the, the most artistic. Because with a movie company, you can use artists, laborers, drivers, cooks, teachers, uh, every aspect of life: electricians, uh, uh, cameramen, uh, actors, uh, actors. Uh, there's, there's something for everybody in a movie company. And more than anything, security. you got an income coming in. So there's no need for, for crime. You know, there's no need to... to there, there will be crime, of course. But uh, for the one that... You know, the hikers. I can't imagine any drug smuggler, any uh, self-respecting criminal to make a 3,000 mile hike carrying babies and, and, and old people, you know. Now I can't imagine, uh, you know, criminals doing that because that's why they're criminals. They, they, they don't do that hard shit, you know. Easy way, yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah, so, so what I see, I see documenting everything because everything's being documented now. And a lot of it's being edited. And, and, and a lot of it's being collected. And I love that because uh, when, when, when I start my movie company, you know, then, then that's another thing. I'm going to, you know, right now, uh, the system 
That's why it's, it's they're on strike now because all of a sudden the system you don't need to pay writers, you don't need to pay anybody because you got the product, and all you have to do is stream it. You don't have to pay anybody. Who? Yeah, you know, especially residuals. Unless it was in a in the contract, certain sitcoms, you know, you kept getting your residuals. Well, it, that all that is changing, and so, but. It's just uh, shifting around. You know, what's changing is, is what you call yourself. Like, like for instance, they don't make buggy whips anymore. Remember at one time, uh, there was an industry that made whips for, for horse-drawn carriages, okay? That was a big industry because you had horse-drawn carriages around the world. You couldn't go to any civilized... A place in the world where there wasn't a horse and carriage. And uh, then they invented cars. <laughs> yep. and what happened to the horse and uh, the, the horse whip people? Well, they started making other shit, you know? And, 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 and so, so that's what I want to, want to, it's not so much make America great. I, I, I look at it more like have fun while you're here. Love it. Love it. <laughs> That's my model. Have fun while you're here. And if you're not having fun, well, then learn the lesson that's being taught. You know? Yeah, because... You know how people talk about mountain climbing a mountain? You know, he climbed that mountain. Yeah. Or even they even show people they died in the stretch of uh, Mount Everest. There's a death stretch there, and they go, people go there and try. Why is it so important? <laughs> <laughs> will donate their lives and everything to climb a fucking mountain. You're right. Because what's at the top of the mountain? You. You made it. Wow. And who really gives a shit? <laughs> you. Yeah. And maybe some relatives. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Chances are most people would be jealous. What's that asshole doing? Right, for real. Oh, the, the only me, the only reason he made it was that Sherpa, because <laughs> that also also used to crack me up too. Because when they the first white man made it, Hillary, uh, you know, but who took the picture? Hey. Whoever, took, whoever took the picture was there first. <laughs> you're right. You're right. <clears throat> and you know who it was? A little Sherpa. <laughs> And the little kids running up and down there, they've been up and down the top many times. But there's no deal. You see what I'm saying? See, back in the day, everything was about how amazing that a white guy did. You're right. I've never looked at it that way. You're 100%. Yeah. Man. Okay, I got to go, man. Okay. Well, I appreciate you coming on the show, man. And I um, love it. I love what you're doing, by the way, you know, planning on, you know, all these projects and hiring these people like you are changing lives, man. And yeah. 
your movements. I, I love it, bro. I absolutely love it. Yeah, I mean, uh, our, our cruise tunes, you know, they're, they're changing a lot of things. The only thing I want to do is uh, I want to get them to get a container that looks like a lowrider. Oh, that'd be sick. And fill them up with gummy bears, you know. Wouldn't that be cool? Yes, I love it. Yeah. Only trouble is, well, that's okay. You know, we could we could test these on 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 kids because I'm quite sure it's ham, not going to hurt anybody. Yeah. I once did a bit. I used to do, do a bit. I knew a pot's good for you because my cat like likes to get high. <laughs> nice. And cats are fussy creatures, man. You're right. You know, if you're not feeding them the right food, they'll they'll turn their tail up and give they'll give you that. What what are you doing? <laughs> What are you? You don't know me by now. You know I don't eat this shit. <laughs> Very true, man. So cats, uh, cats like to get high, so I realized, oh man, it must be good for him. But I, I gotta go, man. I'll be here forever. All right, thank you again, man. You have a good one. Okay, next time. Okay, for sure. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. And if you'd like to support this podcast, check out anchor.fm slash screamingchewygmail.com. Any contribution is greatly appreciated and that makes you my producer. If not, that's cool. I'm just happy you're tuning in. And hey, Screaming Chewy Show merch. Yeah, that's right. At teespring.com. Just Google teespring, T-E-E spring, Screaming Chewy Show. Just Google that. It'll take you right there. And uh, yeah, you could buy hoodies, t-shirts, socks, masks, you know, if there's any stuff you'd like to see on there or purchase, just let me know and I'll add it on. And uh, yeah, you'll be rocking, styling, social media. Don't forget to follow me on there on Facebook, Screaming Chewy Show. I like to share memes, just make up stupid shit, share my episodes on there and just whatever. Um, Check out my YouTube video versions of my podcast episodes also in between episodes i like to add me streaming yeah watch me get scared playing a creepy game or die playing PUBG or some shit you know what i mean and uh yeah just check out my youtube and uh twitter it's at screaming chewy yeah not screaming chewy show i should change it to that but for now it's just screaming chewy and uh thanks again for tuning in see you next week peace